What about if somebody's like a steak person, right? They just love a steak on the grill. What can you do that's a plant-based option for that person? Cauliflower steaks have been pretty trendy for a while. That one works really well and putting that barbecue sauce on the actual cauliflower steak. It's like a cross-section slice of it. Uh, you can also do it with eggplant. I've seen people do that as well, and that's kind of fun. Well, hello there. And welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. This week marks the unofficial start of summer. It's Memorial Day. And yes things may look a little bit different as picnics blend with a pandemic. But nonetheless, millions will still be firing up the grill, and they'll be doing so at a time when interest in plant-based options is at an all-time high. And so a lot of newcomers to this way of eating, they may be wondering, well, how in the world can you possibly have a cookout without hamburgers and hot dogs. It's impossible, they say. But my guest today, she says, no, no, my friend, you absolutely can. And it's amazing. Dietitian Maggie Neola will be in the house to talk about the perfect plant-based cookout and how you can have a meat-free Memorial Day. She's going to walk us through everything, and I mean everything, from appetizers to side dishes to main courses to dessert. Can you grill dessert? Yeah, you can, and she's going to tell us exactly how. Also on the show today, Dr. Jim Loomis is back, and he's here. He's got a new look at research pitting vegan and omnivorous athletes head-to-head in a battle of muscles and endurance. Now, critics, they continue to say, no meat, no dairy, no way you're going to be able to keep up. But this new independent study is challenging that notion. So can't wait to dive into the data. And oh, by the way, This study was all about female athletes. So ladies, get ready to flex those muscles and feel empowered. And on top of all of that, we're going to be opening up the doctor's mailbag with Dr. Vanita Rahman. She is here to answer your health and nutrition questions. So we have a lot to get into and we shall not waste any more time. So it is time now to learn about the perfect plant-based cookout with dietitian magician who is making magic in the kitchen, Maggie Neola. Continuing here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. The question at hand is, is it possible to have a meat-free Memorial Day? You know, Memorial Day, so many of us turn to cookouts. It's the unofficial start of summer. Everybody wants to fire up those grills. So what if you don't eat meat? 
Well, to answer those questions, the how-tos, the ins, the outs, we're going to welcome dietitian Maggie Neola to the show. Maggie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Meat-free Memorial Day once to me seemed unthinkable, but now, not just to me, to millions of others who are getting on board the plant-based train, they're all about this. And I know that doing these shows every day with Dr. Barnard, we've been analyzing the trends in consumer food. So many people now are going to a plant-based diet, especially during the pandemic. So a lot of people are probably wondering, how in the heck do I have a cookout without hamburgers and hot dogs? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I am glad that you are here. You're going to walk us through the entire process. And let's start at the top. I mean, Every good cookout begins a couple of days before when you're putting together what it is you want to serve. So what is it that you think should be on the ideal plant-based cookout menu? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that you are putting a plug in for planning because not only do you have to think about what your menu looks like, you got to make sure you have time to get to the grocery store if you need any of those ingredients, of course. And then some things, you know, are better with a little bit of a marinade and some time to to stay in that marinade so it's nice and flavorful before you put it on the grill. Um, so definitely glad that you're you're plugging that. Um, but this perfect plant-based picnic uh, for Memorial Day, we've got appetizers with some bigger finger foods, uh, some main dishes, and sides to serve them with, and of course, dessert. All right. So, you, I mean, like you've got this all planned out. You're not one of those that, you know, you walk up and like maybe there's one thing on the grill and, uh, you know, a bag of some sort of chip or something like that. Like you're actually like really, we're, we're going to feed you. I mean, yeah. so that's the thing. Like when you are doing these picnics, we're going to feed you, right? Yes, you're going to have a nice full plate and options to eat all day. <laughs> I love that. So let's start with the appetizers. When somebody first arrives, instead of reaching for those, you know, tortilla chips or potato chips, whatever the case may be, at the perfect plant-based picnic, what are the appetizers? All right. Well, I think some options for those appetizers, of course, have to be easy to eat. Okay. So all of these are, they, they are perfect to just pick up with your finger. Um, so watermelon, everybody loves watermelon and I'm glad they do because it's good for you and tasty and colorful. Um, but you got to think about how you cut it. So, you know, those nice watermelon wedges, with the, they still have the, the green on them. You can just pick them up right there. Everybody loves it. They could eat those all day. Um, so that's an easy way to eat your watermelon without getting all messy. Love that one. Um, of course, grilled veggie kebab. So thinking, Things like mushrooms and zucchini, yellow squash, those go really well on a skewer and are really easy to eat as well. Um, I think it's really fun to have some dips. So instead of doing like salsa and chips, you could do something like a spicy white bean buffalo dip with raw vegetables. Like That'd be really, really tasty. Um, going again on the skewer idea, uh, people really like the idea of a capri skewer. So instead of cheese, we could do something like tofu with some tomato and basil, kind of a savory little bite um, skewer there. And then of course, any other fresh fruits are fun, especially the ones that don't require a fork. So things like strawberries with the stem still on or grapes, if you cut them up and you know put them into little bunches, not cut them, but cut the actual stem and you get a nice bunch. It's perfect grab and go appetizer, keeping people happy until everything else is out and ready to eat. Absolutely. And, you know, what is summertime without fresh fruit? I mean, you mentioned the watermelon, the strawberries. I remember 
specifically growing up, mom used to take us to uh, the strawberry patch every now and again on our way to uh, actually back from the beach. And, you know, we would stop and we would get fresh strawberries. And I'm telling you, during the summertime, there's absolutely nothing better than that. Now, here's the cool thing. I also think that we should mention that this time it's a little bit different than Memorial Day last year. So even if you're not feeding a feast to 50, 100 people, you know, these are still good tips for your family. Absolutely. Yeah. This is different in the, in the times that we're in. So um, I think you can still make a feast and have fun and celebrate this very, very, very important holiday as well. So for sure. Yeah. And uh, before we move on to the main dishes, I want to just give a shout out to grilled tofu because I was introduced over the last year to just plain grilled tofu. I'm talking like not even marinated, just like straight up tofu chunks that have been grilled. And you put those on a salad, really, and they kind of take on the flavor of everything else that's in there. And it is so good and so easy to make. We're not even talking about marinades and this and that. We're talking to like cut, grill, eat, and that's as easy as it gets, right? So true. Yes, it is actually quite tasty. I love that, especially on a salad. I'm with you on on liking that grilled tofu. (laughs) Right on. Go for the firm tofu, by the way. I I learned my lesson about that. Silken tofu doesn't grill nearly as well. Uh, (laughs) uh, Speaking of which, I, I I would figure that grilled tofu has to be on your main dishes as well, right? It absolutely is. It's the number one option there for me. (laughs) Boom. All right. Yeah. So you can cut it into like these nice big triangle wedges and and then you don't want them to be too small, right? Anything you're putting on a grill, you don't want it to fall through the the grates. So bigger, the better, Um, but not too thick because you do want to get, you know, that flavor incorporated throughout the entire piece of tofu. One inch thick works really well. Um, so yes, grilled tofu, you can season it if you want to, you don't have to, even just like a nice little Italian herb seasoning would be really tasty. Um, and then of course there's veggie burgers. Now you can get as gourmet as you want to. You can make your own. I really love black bean and beet burgers. Those are delicious or even, um, chickpeas and potatoes. Like those work really well in a homemade veggie burger when you mash them up a little bit. Um, but if you want to buy frozen veggie burgers, there's some good ones out there too. Um, so you've got your tofu, your veggie burgers, and then here's the one that I was skeptical of for a while, carrot dogs. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're good. Um, so these ones are fun. We actually have a good video on our 21 day vegan kickstart, um, and on our YouTube channel on how to make these. Um, but essentially, and the recipe is also on our blog, but you essentially want to kind of parboil that carrot. Uh, and then you can marinate it for about four hours in like liquid smoke, some soy sauce, garlic powder, rice vinegar, and then you grill it. Um, but the key is you do not want that to get mushy. Nobody likes mushy carrots. You want a nice, perfect carrot dog and then put all your fun toppings on top of that one as well. <laughs> what about if somebody's like a steak person, right? They just love a steak on the grill. What can you do that's a plant-based option for that person? Yes. So cauliflower steaks have been pretty trendy for a while. That one works really well. And putting that barbecue sauce on the actual cauliflower steak, it's like a cross-section slice of it. Uh, you can also do it with eggplant. I've seen people do that as well. And that's kind of fun. Oh, that's nice. That's mm-hmm. nice. 
You know, I'm thinking back to the carrot dog. I was skeptical of this as well. And it was, matter of fact, it was only over the past, I'd say eight months or so that I tried my first carrot dog. And I was just shocked at how good this thing was. I mean, it was on a whole wheat bun. You just throw a little bit of mustard on top there with uh, some sauerkraut. I love sauerkraut. And and you just go to town. And I mean, this was a good dog. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I I highly recommend it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. So what's, what's a good, you know, good cookout without some side dishes as well, right? You need your sides. You've got your appetizers, you've got your main courses, but the main course can't be all that main without the, the side dishes. So what are we doing to serve on the side? You got it. Um, so for the sides, this is again, a really fun time to get out your favorite vegetables and grill them. And I wanted to make a note too, if you don't have a grill, you can try roasting things in the oven or if you can get like a grill, those work really well too. So don't feel like you have to go out and buy a grill for this holiday. Um, but anyway, I think some of the best things to throw on the grill for vegetables are asparagus, spears, um, zucchini. It's kind of like thinly sliced, you know, big pieces of bell pepper, again, more grilled eggplant, um, really delicious options to put on there. Even taking corn on the cob and it's husk. And just putting it on the grill is really good. Uh, And then it's very easy to take the husk off and access the corn. It's really, really nice. (laughs) You want to soak that before you put it on there, right? I think I learned that lesson. I haven't. You know what? I think you're right. But I've I've done it in the broiler uh, without soaking in it. It was totally fine. Uh, there's something about an open flame and a corn husk that really you want to be careful with. So I'm pretty sure you're going to want to give that thing a little bit of a soak before you put that on the grill. Yes. Important. (laughs) (laughs) No fires. Um, so that's really fun, but also I think, you know, in addition to having like your whole wheat buns, if you're not into buns, what about having some other whole grains you can make platters instead? So if you were to cook up some different wheat berries or wild rice or, or pharaoh, I still don't know how to say it. Um, but you can use that as the base of your plate and put that grilled tofu um, or that carrot dog on top. And it's that would be a nice platter as opposed to just putting things on a bun. And then, of course, you could still put your condiments on there too, like your tomatoes or your grilled onions, relish, uh, ketchup, sprouts, whatever you like to put on there. I think it works really well. Now, you're seeing, you know, potato salad. That's another one that's really popular as well for this time. Um, but what do we do without that mayonnaise in there and eggs and stuff? So using something more like mustard and vinegar and making it a light potato salad, in addition to adding in fresh herbs like dill, parsley, those things work really well. Roasted red peppers um, can add a lot of flavor to that potato salad too. I agree. And uh, I think that you could also just roast some potatoes too. Like if, if you're not ready to do that, uh, herb-based potato salad that you were talking about, then maybe just roast up some potatoes. Because I remember growing up, man, I used to love those buckets of potato salad that you would get at the store. You know, the big old five-pound buckets that just had all kinds of nonsense in there that you really had no business eating, including eggs and, you know, like a whole jar of mayonnaise. Like the old me just loved that, right? So now I would definitely go with the roasted potatoes and it's just so good. Mm, it's definitely really, really delicious. Um, mm. So get an air fryer. Those things are amazing. Anyway. Ooh, pro tip. <laughs> yeah, those are fun. I love it. Um, so yeah, you can really have a lot of fun with all of these options. And, and again, keeping in mind what you can find at the grocery store right now is important too. Um, but it's nice to finish your 
holiday off with a little bit of something sweet for dessert. Um, it's not nice to, it's mandatory. It's absolutely it's, mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck says it's mandatory. <laughs> um, so everybody loves a nice red, 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 white, and blue theme. Um, so my idea was to do like a triple berry chia pudding cup. Um, so you make your chia pudding, that's the white part of it. Um, and then you top it with some blueberries and strawberries or raspberries, maybe some blackberries. And you've got a nice tri-color dessert right there and very fresh and tasty. Um, so that's a fun one, but you can also grill fruit. Some people um, don't know that it's really fun. It makes it sweeter and kind of caramelizes that fruit. I really like using pineapple or peaches on the grill. Those work well. You kind of garnish them with some cinnamon or ginger, nutmeg. Those all make it even more flavorful. So the options are endless. Oh yeah. And and when you grill the fruit and it kind of caramelizes, I mean, it's just, there's nothing like it. It really is so good. And um, what, you know, another easy one that we do here at my house is the red, white, and blueberry salad, which is just strawberries, bananas, and blueberries. And it's just, I mean, those three, they go together so, so well. And it literally takes no time to prepare. All you got to do is chop a few things up, throw them together. You stack them nicely so it looks all nice. And then, man, enjoy, right? Red, white, and blueberry salad. It just doesn't get any easier than that. I love it. (laughs) I know. And so here's the thing, right? So this Memorial Day, we are asking people to pledge to go meat free, right? Matter of fact, if you go on PCRM.com and you look for it, you will see uh, a, a little blog there that says, I pledge to go meat free this Memorial Day. Now, when you find this page, and we will also include a link to it in the episode notes, uh, when you go to this page, you're going to see also 12 meat free summer recipes, some of which that we've talked about on the show, including, uh, Maggie, those grilled peaches that you were just talking about with the sweet balsamic glaze, so good, and the carrot dog recipe. And I'm telling you, those, as a matter of fact, it was that recipe that I tried for the first time when I was introduced to carrot dogs. After being skeptical for years, I finally said, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I just, I took a bite and I was hooked. So all of those recipes are there. Uh, plus barbecue style portobellos. I mean, that's, that's one that we really didn't get a chance to go into, but portobello mushrooms. I mean, those things are, that's the meaty mushroom. You can really do some cool things with on the grill. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy. It won't fall apart on you. So for sure. And yeah. if you're, if you want to make your own burgers, we've also got the recipes for uh, chickpea burgers and lentil burgers and a portobello burger, of course. And then we get some fancy stuff on there, like black bean cakes with mango salsa. If you really want to spice things up this Memorial Day, you can do that too. But bottom line, really, it doesn't, Maggie, it really doesn't even need to be Memorial Day to do this. I mean, what we have done here today is really give people some ideas for the perfect plant-based picnic or cookout, whatever it is you want to call it, some really good options on the table now. Yeah, it's perfect. It's healthy, delicious, and fun to do any day. Outstanding. And and I'm hungry now. So I think that we should kind of wrap things up, right? I mean, my mouth is literally watering. I want to go get my hands on some of those grilled peaches. I don't know if I'm going to fire up the grill outside. It looks like it might rain, but I do have a foreman downstairs that I might put some peaches on. There you go. That'll work really well. Go for it. (laughs) All right. Maggie Neola, thank you so very much for your time today. Have a wonderful Memorial Day. Thank you as well. Again, we've posted the link to the blog where you can grab a lot of those recipes right in the episode notes. 
And those grilled peaches are amazing. I mean, we're talking so good that I called up my mom just to thank her for bringing me into this world so that I could enjoy those peaches. That's how good they are. And they are, in fact, part of the perfect plant-based cookout. 100% doable, guaranteed to please even the most burger-loving friends and family. So get on board and take that pledge to have a meat-free Memorial Day and a healthy summer. Now look, I mean, we joke about this a lot, right? We have a lot of fun on the show. But think about the situation that we are in right now. The conditions turning COVID-19 into this beast that it is, so many of them can be controlled by diet. And we know that eliminating meat and dairy from the menu is a great way to do that. It brings down blood pressure, it lowers the risk of diabetes and cholesterol, heart disease, all of these things that are fueling the pandemic. So if you can change your diet and stay healthy and not sacrifice flavor, really, what do you have to lose? Nothing. But you have your entire life to gain and a whole bunch of delicious new recipes to boot. Moving on. New research is pouring in on the effectiveness of plant-based diets for athletes. Does ditching meat and dairy, though, also mean ditching endurance and muscle? Well, that's what a group of scientists wanted to know. So they rounded up dozens of women who compete on the field and in the gym. And what did they find out? That most of us should be rethinking our diet. And so to discuss those findings, I wanted to welcome a man with more athletic wisdom than anyone else I know back to the show, Dr. Jim Loomis. We wrapped about this study on Wednesday's edition of The Exam Room Live over on Facebook and YouTube, but I really couldn't begin the segment without also asking this former NFL team doctor about a report that the league is developing face masks for helmets that could help prevent the spread of the coronavirus? What's that all about? First, I got to ask, just because you were in the NFL for a while working as a team doctor, just your initial take as a fan, as a former doctor on what it's going to be like to see players that have these face masks, that have face masks on them. Well, I mean, you, you, you know, you face masks have were becoming more uh, prevalent in the NFL. Even during my time there, I was I was with the Rams in St. Louis from 1995 through the O2 season somewhere in there and was fortunate enough to go to two, to two uh, Super Bowls and, and, and win one. So I actually have a Super Bowl ring from those years, which is, uh, I'm certainly proud of. Um, but I, I think that, you know, these kind of adaptations are going to be the new normal, um, whether it be in football, uh, you know, there was, there was, I just read yesterday about some of the, uh, the, the, the um, uh, measures that the major league baseball is taking you know, not allowing players to chew tobacco or chew sunflower seeds and spit and not come, you know, someone hits a walk-off home run, they're not going to be allowed to come mob the player at home plate and take their shirt off and on and on. 
So I, I think these kind of measures are going to be the new normal, frankly, uh, um, in, in, in all professional sports um, um, to, to limit the spread of COVID. Uh, it's going to look a little bit different on Sundays and every other day. Um, but let's take a look now at this new study because the NFL players, they are just paid millions of dollars to do what it is that they do. But for the majority of us, it's really quite the opposite. We actually pay to play, but it's of no consequence because we love it so much. I mean, hashtag fitness goals. Am I right? Uh, but since the explosion in popularity of plant-based diets in recent years, critics have been quick to criticize the idea that eliminating meat and dairy from the diet will hinder and not help athletic performance. But a study published in the European Journal of Clinical Nutrition is putting to bed those claims and taking a new look at a plant-based diet's effect on muscle growth and endurance. This one specific to healthy young female athletes. Dr. Loomis, within the first few paragraphs of the study, the authors really concluded their findings contradict the popular belief that vegans can't keep up with their omnivorous opponents. What specifically did this study find? Well, it's interesting. You know, as you mentioned, one of the, you know, one of the kind of criticisms of a plant-based diet, especially in the strength, in the strength-based athletic, you know, world uh, was that, you know, you can't get enough protein, you're going to lose muscle on and on. And, and what this study showed in particular is it, it wasn't that people on a vegan or plant-based diet um, perform better than people that are omnivorous diet, but there was no difference in, in strength. And, and in fact, that muscular strength was equivalent, whether you ate a plant-based diet or a, a, um, um, an omnivorous diet. And that really makes sense because, um, the average person gets way too much protein anyway. Uh, the amount of protein you need to build and maintain muscular strength is, uh, very easily attained, uh, on a plant-based diet. Um, you know, Endurance athletes uh, need about 1.2 to 1.5 grams per protein uh, uh, kilograms per, of pro. I'm sorry, 1.5 to around 1.5 grams per kilogram of protein. Strengthening athletes in the 1.5 to close to two, very easy to obtain on on a plant based diet. So, so that that makes perfect sense, and and you know we've known that inherently for a long time. You look at some of those huge, strong athletes that were in the game changers, none of them were protein deficient. Um, I, I think a more interesting finding, though, was the second half of the study that looked at endurance. And what it showed was that the plant, the people that followed a plant-based or vegan diet actually had um, increased endurance. Um, so they performed better at endurance sports. And, and the, what they postulate is, is it was because of the higher carbohydrate intake. Um, that the, that the uh, plant-based folks um, uh, consumed. And the reason that's important for endurance athletes is, is that the primary fuel for endurance, for, for uh, endurance aerobic activity is glycogen. And glycogen is a form of, is how we store carbohydrate in our, in our muscle and liver cells. And we use that, that, that glycogen to fuel ourselves for, for submaximal exercise. And so that's at a VO2 max of, you know, 40 to 60%, somewhere in that range. And so the more carbohydrate that you, you consume, the higher the levels of glycogen in your muscle. And um, so, so it, that, that certainly makes perfect sense as well, that, that a plant-based diet should improve muscular uh, endurance performance. I certainly experience that. I, I'm, you know, an endurance athlete. Um, I've, you know, 
done multiple marathons and half marathons and triathlons, including an Ironman, which I completed last summer to celebrate my 60th birthday. And I found that, that, you know, not once um, following a plant-based diet was that, did I ever feel like I was bonk and, you know, where I bonked, where I got glycogen depleted, which is what happens when, it, when, when athletes hit the, hit the proverbial wall running a marathon. It's, it's felt to be related to complete depletion of glycogen from your uh, muscle and liver cells. Um, and, and so um, and every endurance athlete I've talked to felt like their performance improved uh, once they transitioned to a plant-based diet. There, there's probably some other reasons beyond this, but it's nice to see it actually shown in a, in a, in a very well-controlled scientific study. You know, and it's interesting that you just mentioned how you celebrated your 60th birthday doing the Ironman triathlon. I mean, you're hardcore. There's no doubt about it. But one of the interesting uh, nuggets that I took away from the study was that among the participants who were eating a plant-based diet, on average, they were three years older than those who were eating the the traditional omnivorous diet. Is eating a plant-based diet kind of a bit of a fountain of youth with plant-based athletes? Well, you know, I would certainly think so. And it's not just, it's just, it's not just, it's not just the effects on your athletic performance. It's also the effect of your health. Because if you think about how, you know, back to what I said in, in the previous section, you know, we can, we can abuse our bodies fairly significantly with a poor lifestyle and get away with it. Uh, it used to be in four in your till you're your forties. Now, now I'm seeing patients in their twenties um, and, and even younger developing these chronic conditions like type two diabetes and, and blood pressure issues. But you know, you get to forty, and then you start this slow decline, and you hope you make it to eighty, and you start to see the doctor. And again, you know, what what does that look like? Well, the doctor, you come in, your blood pressure, you get some pills, and and so we just start sliding down this curve, right? We all got to die. But, but I think as Dr. Kim Williams uh, says, it, you, you just don't want it to be your fault. Uh, so, so, but we allow patients, we're adding years to our patients' lives in that, in, that, in that scenario, but we're taking away life from their years, right? We're allowing you to become sick and take medicines that are expensive and have side effects and accumulate disability on and on. It doesn't have to be that way. And, and so there's no reason the curve can't look like this, right? Um, and, and, and what's interesting is, Speaking of fountain of use, you know, at age 50, I, I'm halfway down that curve, right? I've got, I've got, I'm obese and I've got sleep apnea and I'm tired all the time and I got to take pills for my heart and I need to be on cholesterol medicine. I can't walk around the block without getting out of breath on and on. Fast forward 10 years on a plant-based diet or about eight years on a plant-based diet, you know, now I'm back up here instead of down here. So, um, in, in that scenario, when we address these root cause issues, we add years to our patient's life, but we sustain life in their years. And, and so if you extrapolate back when the last time I was as healthy as I am now, I was probably 30, 35. So, so you know, what happens is, is we are able to decouple our chronologic age from our biologic age, because I'm always, I'm going to be 61 this July, but, but, I, but I have arrested my biologic age um, into my thirties. And that's how I feel. So people ask me how old I am today. I tell them I'm 30 with 30 years experience. Let me ask you the same question that I was asked yesterday, going back to where you were at 50 years old, obese, overweight, out of shape, not feeling great on a whole slew of medications. Would you be 
I guess, more fearful of COVID-19, how would your views be different? Most definitely. I'd be terrified. Um, not that I'm, you know, not that I'm complacent now, but, but I would be terrified, um, 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 you know, now, but again, you know, you look at my blood pressure back then was in the, you know, high one thirties and high eighties, which is, is considered now stage one hypertension. Uh, now it's 106 over 60. My blood, my cholesterol was in the 250, 260 range. And my LDL was in the 150, 160 range, very high. You know, now my total cholesterol is 150 and my LDL is 50. Um, my pulse rate, you know, used to run 70, 80. I woke up this morning, it was 35. Um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's crazy. And and so, again, the human body is an amazing thing. If you take care of it, it will, you know, it wants to heal itself. It wants to do its thing. And and we, we, and we don't allow it to do that because we lead a sedentary lifestyle. We don't exercise like we should. You know, we don't cope with stress like we should. We drink too much alcohol. We smoke cigarettes. We don't get enough sleep. On and on and on. And when you address those things, when you bring those things into balance, the body's an amazing thing. Dr. Jim Loomis, I greatly appreciate your time and uh, certainly glad that you were able to share your wisdom with us today, my friend. Look forward to doing it again in the future. Yeah, thank you. I'm always happy to come back. put a link to that study in the episode notes so go ahead and check it out it is definitely worth a read and even though this study was about women in sports really you have to figure that this is another big knock on bro science time now to open up the doctor's mailbag because you've got questions and dr Vanita raman has answers Lots of them, as a matter of fact. Tons of good ones coming in. And we've got Marianne, who's wondering about tofu. Should she be eating it, even though it's technically a processed food? And Brittany is in the middle of weight loss, and she still has some pounds to go, but she wants to know if she's already reduced her risk of COVID-19. And Joel is checking in, wanting to know about avocados. Good fat versus bad fat. So let's open up that mailbag and see what Dr. Rahman has to say. The first question comes to us from JLC. How do I only eat when I'm hungry? I love vegan food so much that I just keep eating, but I haven't lost any weight. Yeah. You know... I think we're all in a bit of that situation right now. I know when I'm working and I need that break, I find myself, it's so easy to step into the kitchen and grab a snack. Um, it's So let's go back to the basics on this one. Um, there's only one reason we should be eating um, and that is for hunger. So if we're eating for reasons other than hunger, it's, it's not about a physiological need. It's really about an emotional need. So it's really important to get in touch with that. Why did I have that snack? Why am I reaching for this? What is it that I really need right now? Um, and, you know, a few quick things come to mind. Am I bored? Do I just need a break? Do I need to stretch? Do I need to distract myself? And then, or am I just tired? Do I need to pick me up? Um, am I feeling sad and anxious and eating will help me feel better? So, you know, there's a list of things we can all go through and, and see what's really behind us reaching for that food. But what's great about this question is that our listener has this awareness that they are eating for reasons other than hunger. And I think that's the first step is to know that. And then we can 
sort of troubleshoot and see what else is going on that we can address directly. So maybe instead of food, we go, you know, walk our dog or we go outside and just um, smell the air and just look at the flowers and come back in. So many ways to find a break during the day. All right. Next question comes to us from Joel on YouTube. Are avocados good or bad fat? Yeah, well, they're generally good fat. So let's talk about this. There are three types of fats in our diet, saturated fat, unsaturated fat, and trans fats. Saturated fats and unsaturated fats are naturally found in our food. And saturated fats tend to be less healthy because they raise our cholesterol levels, they increase the risk of cardiovascular disease. Unsaturated fats are healthier and a little bit of them are beneficial for us. Um, the third kind, trans fat, is not naturally found in our food. It's manufactured by the food industry and it really has no health benefits at all. It raises cholesterol levels, it increases the risk of heart disease. So we should avoid them completely. And fortunately, uh, they're being used less and less by the food industry. Now, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go uh, ahead. So where avocados come in is that they have a combination of both saturated and unsaturated fat. And so we should consume them, but in moderation, um, because too much of that will raise our cholesterol levels. It will lead to weight gain um, and it will raise our blood sugar levels. So really important to moderate that amount. You know, I say, depending on the size of the avocado, roughly an eighth of an avocado is a serving size, um, which you know often is a lot less than we end up eating. So really important to be mindful of that. Kind of a follow-up on that, Edigio uh, on YouTube wants to know, can eating a salad with lots of vegetables make you gain weight? Well, you know, great question. It depends what's in the salad. So if it's just vegetables, um, Probably unlikely, but if that salad has uh, perhaps a lot of avocado in it or a lot of nuts in it or seeds, or if it has a rich dressing that's made with nuts or seeds, um, that could contribute to calories. Uh, so, or does it have any fried ingredients in it? You know, or like for instance, is fried tofu in it or anything else that could be fried put in there? So a salad is really only as healthy as what's in it. If it's just vegetables that are raw, it's less likely. You would have to eat a lot to gain weight. But if it's got some of these other higher fat ingredients, then yes, that could contribute to weight gain. Claudia, YouTube writes, regarding iodine, how often do I need to eat sea vegetables to cover the daily requirement? I don't consume iodized salt. Yeah, um, so let's talk about iodine. Iodine is an essential mineral that we need for our thyroid gland to produce thyroid hormone effectively. And when we don't get enough of it, we can't produce enough thyroid hormone and the thyroid gland can become larger. It, it's what's called a goiter. And these goiters can be quite big. But uh, in the US, this is less common because we iodize salt. I, I do recommend eating salt that's been iodized or consuming salt with iodine because even though sea vegetables may have some iodine, it's hard to know whether they have enough or if we're getting enough. So the safest thing would be to introduce some iodized salt in your um, diet. And if you're worried about this at all, you can always see your physician and they can check your thyroid hormone levels. And if they're fine, then that means you're getting enough iodine in your diet. 
Yogi99 on YouTube. I'm diabetic and bread spikes my blood sugar. What can I do? So, um, really important question for diabetics. Um, you know, I, I would want to know a little bit more about the bread that you're eating. Um, what's on it, for instance? Is it, um, if it's got any kind of nut butter on it or any of the other high fat foods like avocado or olives, we know that fat in the food can increase blood sugar. Um, I see that you're writing here that you eat with many legumes. So legumes are generally low in fat, but again, it depends how they're prepared. Uh, for example, hummus, which can be really healthy, can also be high in fat. Um, commercially prepared hummus is pretty high in olive oil, pretty high in tahini. So if someone's having bread with that, I can see their blood sugar level spiking. So I think it'd be important to dig a little bit deeper and see what's going on that bread. Is there any vegan meat or vegan cheese going on there, which could sometimes raise blood sugar. So a bit more, in, uh, just really looking at whether it's high fat foods or low fat foods that are being consumed with the bread. This is a great question from Melvin that I think more people find themselves in this situation than we realize. He writes, what are the diet changes related to having limited access to fresh food? What are the diet changes related to limited access to fresh food? So um, maybe some ideas of ways that he can still eat a healthy diet, even though he may not have access to those types of foods. Yeah. Uh, so if I, I'm assuming you mean fresh fruits and vegetables, um, but certainly things like whole grains and legumes, which are sold as dry goods. Um, you can buy, they have a very long shelf life. You can keep them in your pantry and then prepare them, boil them, season them with different things. Those could be a great option. And, you know, you can make a whole meal with just legumes from appetizer to the main course to even dessert. Um, and um, I see here, diet changes relate to limited access to grocery food chain and fresh food. So, you know, this is a common problem um, depending on, um, certain communities where there may not be easy access to fresh fruit and vegetables. And at that point, some fruits and vegetables will keep longer than others in the fridge. Um, and then some have a much shorter shelf life. So like potatoes, sweet potatoes, um, onions, those things tend to last a while, but things like green, green leafy vegetables have a much shorter shelf life. So really trying to get those fruits, things like, uh, Apples can last for a while in the fridge, but bananas obviously won't. So I would try to experiment that with that a little bit and then sticking to more of the dry fruit, um, uh, the dry foods like legumes and whole grains, that might be a good option there too. And there's always frozen fruit, which is just as healthy if it's just fruit. Um, I generally don't recommend canned fruit because it tends to have a high amount of sugar syrup in it. So frozen fruit might be another option or frozen vegetables for that matter. They are just as nutritious as fresh. All right, Rose checking in for the lovers of leafy greens. I just heard vitamin K can be K1 or K2. What is the difference between the two? I know that we can get vitamin K from leafy greens, but do they contain both versions? Well, you've got me there, Rose. Uh, <laughs> this is one I'm going to have to look up now. I am really curious. I have not heard of this, so... Um, I will hope to get back to you next time with this. Fair but, enough. But the important thing is to keep consuming those leafy green vegetables because most of uh, most of us aren't getting enough of them. And it's really important to get those in. 
this one comes from Kwame. What are your thoughts on multivitamins? My doctor told me to take a multivitamin, but lots of plant-based doctors say you only need B12 and vitamin D. Yeah, well, I, I tend to agree with them. You know, um, really important about the vitamins and supplement industry is it's not regulated by the FDA. And what that means is that drug manufacturers do not have to prove that a vitamin or supplement is helpful um, they do not have to prove that it's safe in order to market it, you know, which is a bit of a scary prospect, right? Um, so uh, we really have to be careful about the claims that are made on these vitamin bottles because we don't know how accurate they are. And sometimes these products can be harmful. One thing that we do know is that we all need vitamin B12. And I absolutely recommend everybody take that. Vitamin D, I recommend you work with your healthcare provider. They can check your levels and advise you on whether you need to supplement or not. But as for the others, we can really get them through our diet and we don't necessarily need to, uh, you know, invest our money or time in taking supplements. Um, you know, I'd say save it for the healthy food instead. Looks like Brittany is in the middle of a weight loss journey. Congratulations, Brittany. That's awesome. Uh, she writes on YouTube, can a person who has lost a significant amount of weight but still has more to lose, doesn't have any pre-existing conditions, eats plant-based, and works out regularly, can they still be at high risk for COVID-19? Yeah, you know, really great question. Um, the CDC has said that obesity is a risk factor for a co more complicated course with COVID-19. Um, but if someone is on their way to losing weight, that's the most important thing. So I congratulate you, Brittany, on doing that and taking care of your health. It's really important to continue to do that. But where on that spectrum does the risk go up? You know, my sense is probably the, the higher the BMI, the greater the risk. So the more we can get into that normal range, the lower a risk will be. But I, I don't think we can give an absolute number beyond that. Deborah on Facebook, a follow-up to what you were talking about with the avocados. How can we figure out the best amount of nuts or avocados that we should eat in our diet? Yeah. So I use this rule of thumb that has worked well for me <laughs> and uh, for patients I've worked with. Um, I tell people to limit their intake of high fat foods to one to two tablespoons a day. So what I mean by that is one to two tablespoons of all the high fat foods combined. Um, so whether it's nuts or nut butter or avocado or olives um, or seeds, just, I don't mean two tablespoons of nut butter and two tablespoons of tahini and two tablespoons of avocado. I mean, all together. And that, that seems to work well. And um, it usually gives us the essential fatty acids we need without leading to weight gain. Here's a pretty good question from Stephanie. How many varieties of plant food should we strive to eat every week? As many as you can, <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> so try, you know, to roughly try to get four to five fresh fruits a day, four to five vegetables a day, um, two or three servings of legumes and four to five whole grains. And, and don't beat yourself up if you don't meet those every day. You know, the idea is to keep things changing. And if you are really into bananas today, go for it. Maybe tomorrow you'll crave apples instead. But over the course of a week, just try to sample as many different types of foods as you can. Question from YouTube. If I exercise daily for an hour and eat plant-based, will I improve bone density? Yeah, so really important question. Um, 
So there are two questions here. How does exercise impact bone density and how does plant-based diet impact bone density? Let's start with exercise. Um, when we're talking about improving bone density, it's important to do weight-bearing exercise. So weight-bearing exercise is any time that we're um, lifting weight while exercising or when we're supporting our own body weight. So for example, walking or running or hiking, we're supporting our own body weight. On the other hand, something like swimming or biking, we're not supporting our body weight. So that's not a weight-bearing exercise. It doesn't mean it doesn't have health benefits. It's just, it's not as beneficial to our bones. So it's good to you know mix things up. And then strength training is really important to improve bone density. Um, lifting with weights or using our own body as a resistance can help. So doing a combination of the two is going to be key to uh, improving bone density. And then as far as diet goes, um, we know that avoiding animal-based foods and sticking with plant-based foods improves bone density, it reduces the risk of fracture. So um, you're doing all the right things there. Great question coming your way from Ronald on Facebook. Do I have to avoid eating fruit in excess? I will sometimes eat three bananas in one sitting. I thought I should just avoid refined sugars. Yeah, well... Ronald, I don't think there's anything harmful about eating three bananas in a sitting if you're hungry for it. Um, you know, fruits are really healthy and people sometimes worry that the sugar that's naturally found in fruits could raise their blood sugar, but we know that doesn't happen. Um, I would say this, it's if you're hungry and you like the fruit and you're enjoying it, go for it. Um, however, if you're not if you're eating because you're not hungry, then I wouldn't do it because then you're sort of consuming unnecessary calories. And if you're trying to lose weight or something, that could be an issue. But otherwise, enjoy those bananas. They're delicious and really nutritious. This one comes to us from Marianne. Is tofu recommended? It's a processed food, and I know that I should try to keep processed foods to a minimum. Yeah. So a really good question. Tofu is processed. It's We take beans, we soybeans, we ferment them, and then we puree them, and we get this food that we call tofu. It is processed, but it's minimally processed. Um, and you always, when you look at processed food, you look at what else is going into it. Um, when tofu is made, you know, it's usually not made with added sugars or added fats or added sodium. So those all are really important, whereas a lot of conventional processed food is uh, rich in high added, uh, rich in added fat, sugar, sodium, and that's what makes it unhealthy too. But um, tofu itself is pretty nutritious. It's high in protein. It has a healthy source of fat. It can be fortified with calcium, and these are all good for us. So enjoy that tofu. Mary Mackey is putting you on the spot. She wants to know, what does Dr. Vanita eat in a day? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I will just share with you what I ate today um, because honestly, I can't remember what I ate yesterday. Um, so today I had a something that I grew up eating in my childhood in India, and it may sound really strange, but I had um, pita bread toasted with um, eggplant curry. Um, this is something we used to eat growing up in my grandmother's house, and I was just craving it. I went for it. And then... Um, for lunch, I have to think now what I ate. Oh, for lunch, I had brown rice with lentil soup and watermelon. And um, for dinner, I'm planning to have a split pea soup with sweet potatoes and a slice of whole grain bread. And um, 
And for dessert, I think I might make the banana and ice cream, one of my favorite desserts of all time. Oh, and so easy to make too. Yeah. It's so easy to make. It's amazing. Uh, time for just a couple of more here. Catherine on YouTube, is it possible to have a diet that is too low in fat? I've heard that that could affect hormones. Yeah. So we, we, again, we need to have some fat in our diet because we need to get those essential fatty acids in. Um, and, but we only need about 10% of our calories to come from fat. So as long as we're getting some form of nuts or seeds or avocado or olives in our diet uh, on a daily base, basis, we'll be fine. But then things like tofu also naturally have some fat in them. So for most people, it's unlikely that they would end up with too little fat. It's usually the opposite that's more common. But it is important to not go, um, to not completely avoid those high fat foods because we do need to get those essential fatty acids. Jessica, YouTube, how about potatoes? Are sweet and regular potatoes okay? Absolutely. You know, potatoes are great. It's really what we do to them. Um, so even white potatoes are great. Uh, I recommend not peeling them. Eat the skin because the skin is full of nutrients and protein. Um, the issue has always been what we did to potatoes. When we make French fries or when we make chips or when we put a dollop of sour cream or melted cheese on it, um, that's what made the potato unhealthy. But potato by itself is great. Sweet potatoes are great. Um, one of my favorites are Japanese sweet potatoes. I just stick them in the oven. They come out and they are super sweet and they're like almost caramelized like a candy, just great by themselves. All right, final question comes to us from Deborah on Facebook. I've heard older people need a greater amount of protein, even for those eating a plant-based diet. Could legumes be part of this? Oh, legumes are great. So legumes are a great source of protein. Um, you know, legumes are all those hard beans and lentils, and they are roughly 20 to 50% of the calories from those are protein, depending on the legume. So for example, soybeans, are 50% protein. Um, chickpeas or kidney beans, black beans, they're roughly about 30% protein. So legumes should be a part of our diet every day. Try to get at least a cup of legumes, if not two cups a day. Um, they're also very hearty and satiating. If you would like to submit your question, go ahead and send it in. Just follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC. You can send it to me there using the hashtag exam room podcast, or you can check me out on Facebook and message me there. You can also follow the physicians committee as well at PCRM on Twitter and at physicians committee on the gram. And you know what else would be awesome? If you would send in some of your recipes for your perfect plant-based cookout, let's tap into our collective think tank here and share some ideas with each other. It'll be kind of our own way of social distancing and, and picnicking together in a cyber sense. So send in those recipes on social media as well. Just use the hashtag exam room podcast. And if you're not listening to us on your favorite podcast provider, well, what are you waiting for? Head over to Apple Podcast and wherever shows are available and subscribe to the exam room by the Physicians Committee and help make the world a healthier place. Every single new subscription and five-star rating that you leave helps someone else 
who needs this potentially life-saving information. And there are a lot of people out there right now who could use your help. I always think back to the old me. I want to go back in time and I want to reach that guy. And I want to let him know that there is a better and healthier way. So think now. Think who is in your life that you want to help reach. Let's give that person a helping hand. Matter of fact, let's give as many people as possible a helping hand. So subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating and let's start paying everything forward. And also don't forget that everyone that you've heard on the show here today, all of our experts, Maggie Neola, Dr. Jim Loomis, Dr. Vanita Rahman, they are all available for visits at the Barnard Medical Center through telemedicine. You don't even need to leave your house. So make an appointment today by visiting barnardmedical.org or picking up the phone and calling 202-527-7500, 202-527-7500 or barnardmedical.org. We've included that phone number and a link in the episode notes. New patients right now are being accepted if you live in California or New York, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Missouri, Arizona, Colorado, Massachusetts, and Kentucky. If you live in any of those locations, they would love to help you lead a healthier life. And if you don't live yet in one of those locations, don't worry, because new states are coming online all the time. It's going to wrap things up for us today. My thanks again to Maggie Neola and Drs. Jim Loomis and Benita Rahman for joining us. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe and keep it plant-based.